This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Emerus, CPA with Parmels and Associates. So first off, last week I finished the episode with a guess or a wager of what I thought that the Federal Reserve was going to do with interest rates. So short story, I got that one wrong. The good news is you don't owe me any money on this one. So want to quickly touch on how that ended up working out, what they decided to do with the rates, and even a little bit of preface for the future. But get into specifically on how these rising rates are affecting people expanding their business with new locations, or even adding on to their existing one, or even buying the real estate for their existing shop. Is this something that you are concerned about? Is this something that has changed your decisions on these in your own business? And should it be? Before we get into that, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. For over 30 years, Napatrax has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the best, most comprehensive SMS in the industry. We'll prove that to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Visit them online at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Promotive has over 40 years of recruiting and automotive experience. If you're in need of qualified technicians and service advisors and want to offload the heavy lifting, visit them at gopromotive.com. So last week I recorded my episode on Monday. Tuesday, the Federal Reserve released their inflation numbers for May. And then Thursday, they ended up announcing what they were going to do with the rate increase. So if you listen to it, then thank you for being a dedicated listener. If not, I said on there, and this is me giving an excuse of why I got this wrong, I said, this is going to be really hard because I will probably be able to guess pretty quickly of what the Federal Reserve is going to do with the interest rate when they release their inflation data. And I didn't have that information, so it was a wild guess. I thought the Federal Reserve was going to raise their rates 25 basis points or 0.25%. What they ended up doing was leaving it alone. And for those of you that have been following along that love the saga that is the Federal Reserve, everyone was clamoring, begging, asking guilting trying to force the Federal Reserve to not make any drastic changes. We have been getting weird kind of contradictory reports on is the rates working? Is it not working? And so the market specifically really was pushing the Federal Reserve for this exact outcome. What they wanted to do is they said, hey, you guys have done a lot of stuff. It just takes time. Just chill. Don't do anything. And let's see. Let's give this a little bit of time to work instead of just keep on raising and raising the rates. And the Federal Reserve listened. And there's good and bad news on this. So the good news is they didn't raise any of the rates and they said, hey, we're going to leave this steady for right now. And the market jumped. Market was happy to see that. It was actually way down for a little bit, came back up all around, finished pretty decent. It was to be expected because remember, we always talk about this. The market does not react to news. They react to departures from what they expect is going to happen. Most of the market was wishfully thinking that they were not going to change the rate. There were some people that still thought that there was a chance. And like me, I thought there was a slim chance to even go even more aggressive and raise it half a percentage points. Obviously, with all of that uncertainty out of the way and people knowing that they weren't going to increase the rates anymore for this month, the market bounced up. Now, what happens is we get a little bit of a preface on what actually got talked about. Federal Reserve Chairman's actually going to be talking to Congress this week to get a little bit more insight. But they give us good and bad news. The good news is no rates. 
bad news is they said, hey, guys, don't think that we're done raising rates. We probably have two more left this year. We're not sure if they're going to be in July, August, maybe November, December. But don't think that we're done and this is the end of it. We are going to give it a pause like everyone has said. But I think they're still thinking that they're going to probably have to at least bump it up once or twice. So what does that mean? Is there any actionable steps on this? No, no news is good news on it. But wanted to keep you guys up to date if you had not been following along already. So interest rates, borrowing, where does that come into consideration and where do we think about it? Honestly, most every single aspect of your life is baked in here. You are probably not a Dave Ramsey disciple where you are debt free. So whether it's even as simple as your personal mortgage, a car loan, a credit card, rates are affecting everything in our day-to-day life. Now, I was talking to my client the other day, I was like, you know what, this could actually be a really cool podcast idea, is that in today's high interest climate, should I, or is it something that I should not be looking at, factoring in my buying decisions and purchasing decisions on expanding my business based on these higher borrowing costs? And it was a really good idea because the last three years, as a lot of you guys can probably commiserate with, have been a crazy time for auto repair, not only on the front side of running a business and operating a business profitably and growing it, but also selling businesses. Over the last three years, we have seen more of our shops sell than really any time in the past. And now some of this was regular business to business. Other of this was private equity and consolidators on this. But I don't know how many times that I've had more than one client in their 30s sell their shop when it wasn't a distressed situation in previous years. This year, I probably already had five or six guys sell their shop. Not that they were ready to retire. Now, some of them got enough money that they probably could. But they were offered so much for their businesses that they said, Hunt, this would be crazy. This is enough money that I would probably make running this shop for the next 10 years. And they're going to stroke me a check for it. But what we have started to see is that starts to slow down. The reason that we saw so many shops get sold is because it was attractive industry. It was booming. It came out of COVID. Everyone kind of prospered and continued to grow on it. And also borrowing costs were extremely low. And so flashback to early 2020, We were seeing prime rates, which is the industry leading standard and what people kind of base their rates off of around 3%, 3.25%. Just like a lot of you guys might have mortgages that are sub 3%. It's a very similar idea of what we're seeing going on in the commercial sector as we are the residential side. And so when we had people selling their shops as well as selling their houses, we saw a lot of bidding wars. A lot of people were interested in it. People were throwing extra money on top of these deals. Because if borrowing costs are low, an extra $30,000 of purchase price on the shop at 3% interest probably didn't really change the monthly payment that much. And so that's why we saw people competing against each other. That's on the residential side. You saw people having bidding wars before houses even left the market, but it all had to do with interest rates. Hey, money's cheap, so another 20 grand on it only changed my payment 100 bucks a month. Why do I care? Now, just like the residential real estate market, We also didn't see shops on the market very long. A lot of my clients that are in expansion mode, buying new locations, they were hitting these shops before they even went onto the market because a lot of them never even hit the market. It got word around town, hey, Steve's thinking about selling his place. Let me go talk to him. Let me see if I can reach a deal. He's probably going to throw me a pretty high number, but barring costs are so low, I don't really care that much. I want this specific business. 
And if it goes to the market, I'm going to be competing against everyone else. Now, people that were selling it knew that this was going on. They knew it was a seller's market on here. And some people were asking outrageous prices. Now, every once in a while, and sometimes, you know, against my best advice here, clients were jumping on these opportunities, were paying double of what I would say in a normal market people were willing to do. But because of rates being so cheap and the overall appetite for risk here, a lot of people are still going into it and saying, that's fine, I can still make money on it. Now, flash forward to today, and we have started to see some of these deals sit on the market longer. In the past, they'd even sit on the market at all. And now I have clients that have deals that they were negotiating and working on six or 12 months ago. So I had a client that was looking at this shop about 12 months ago, a little bit over 12 months ago. And this guy wanted $800,000 for his business. Now, not crazy, but obviously you don't know a bunch of specifics about the business, but looking in down to it, it wasn't worth anywhere close to that. It was hard to justify for my client of anything really over 500,000 on it. So what my client did is he didn't even go back and give him a hard offer. He told them where he stood and said, guys, you know what? I don't want to offend you. I don't expect you guys to take this offer. I just wanted to be upfront that I'm probably closer to half a million dollars. You guys are at 800,000. No hard feelings, but go and try and sell it at 800,000. And if it doesn't work, then come back to me. Of course, flash forward to now. And this person reached out to my client and said, hey, you know what? You still in the market, we were not able to get it sold. Now, he went back and forth on this for a little bit, but more or less, he was not still willing to work with this price as much as what we felt like. And honestly, his official asking price is exactly the same. The reason of why this doesn't make sense is, hey, you've tried to sell this thing for 12 months. You've lowered your asking price, but only very small. If you don't have someone that is willing to buy this price already, then you probably are not pricing this correctly. Because if it was priced correctly, someone would have bought it over the last 12 months. Now, another thing that's working against him here is also the borrowing costs have gone up. Just like we were talking about earlier in this episode, the Federal Reserve has been consistently raising rates probably for, what, the last year and a half or so? And so over this 12-month period where we haven't been touching this deal, every single month behind the scenes, my client's future borrowing costs have been going up and up. So yes, the price is still the same or maybe slightly lower. But because interest rates have doubled or went up a couple percentage points here, it actually is even more expensive for my client than it was a year ago to buy this business. So this is something that we're seeing a lot. I've had people that have made projections on doing an expansion, projects on buying the real estate on it, given old interest rates. And when they factor in these new interest rates, it's sometimes blowing up the deal because they're saying, hey, this worked at 4%. It no longer works at 9%. There is some elasticity to this, but there's also just some spots where it just does not work. And this is exactly what I want to talk about this week. Let's face it, your shop management system is the single most important tool in your shop, period. You need Napa Tracks because it integrates with all the major players, including Napa ProLink, PartsTech, OE RepairLink, Epicor, TireConnect, Mitchell One Pro Demand, and more. NapaTrax has leading-edge tools and technology that your shop needs right now. Unlike the other guys, we'll be there after your installation with the best training and support in the business. Your training includes a learning management system that is tailored to each role in your company. Simply put, Trax was designed and built for shop owners just like you. It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business to help optimize your shop's workflow, efficiency, and profitability. 
For over 30 years, NapaTrax has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the best, most comprehensive SMS in the industry. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Visit us on the web at NapaTrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Shop owners, are you struggling to find and retain top-tier talent for your automotive shop? Introducing Promotive on the web at GoPromotive.com. With over 40 years of combined industry and recruiting experience, we're the ultimate staffing solution. We go beyond traditional agencies. Our team provides dedicated recruiters and account managers advising on processes, compensation, and benefits. We focus on placing technicians and service advisors with shops that offer the best culture, training, and long-term growth opportunities. Trust our experience to match the right talent to your shop. We carefully select shops that value employee excellence and provide an environment for success. Our dedicated team leads the entire process, leveraging our industry knowledge and expertise. Partner with Promotive and experience their advantage to help you build a high-performing team that drives your shop's growth. Visit GoPromotive.com today and let us help find and keep the best talent in the industry. I want to talk about commercial real estate because really, if you're buying a shop, a lot of you guys are buying commercial real estate. So while this might not be of concern specifically for your shop because it's owner-occupied, we can't ignore the elephant in the room, which is commercial real estate. And then obviously we'll talk about buying a shop. Oh, okay, your borrowing costs are higher. Is this a deal breaker or is it something that can be overcome? And we just need to understand a little bit more. But this kind of goes hand in hand with the commercial real estate. But I need to talk about banks for a little bit. And I've told a couple of my clients this anecdotally about what I've been hearing. The big thing that everyone seems to be concerned about is commercial real estate bubble. We have a commercial real estate bubble. The bubble's going to pop. There's stuff going into short sale. You name it. So I went to the source. I went to my banker that has a couple of loans with us. And we do all of our banking through and it works with a lot of our clients. And talked to him and said, hey, what is your guys' appetite on commercial real estate? All I've been hearing on the news is that banks are sitting on cash. Banks do not want to do any of these deals and banks are terrified. And so he goes, yeah, you're not wrong here. And so for their business, and they're not a national one, I'm not going to throw out here, there who it is, but they're a big regional player. This is not a mom and pop bank. This is people with billions and billions of dollars and generally a very easy target for commercial real estate. So he told me this. He said, Hunt, if you were to come to me 12 months ago, and you had a building that you want to buy for a million bucks, give me 20% down, we're going to do that deal. As long as the cash flow, as long as you have the collateral, we're going to do that deal. We love commercial real estate. We love real estate in general. He says, now flash forward to today, it's completely different. If you are not an existing bank customer, I don't care what deal you bring to me. If you got a million dollar deal and you're going to put 50% down, we're not going to pick up the other half. They are not doing commercial real estate mortgages for outside customers which was shocking to me. Even more so is if you have a commercial mortgage on this, it's a longer amortization, maybe 20 or 30 years, but most notes are only good for five years. And what happens is you pay it for five years, you come back and you say, all right, this is up for renewal. The bank gives you a new interest rate and pretty much rubber stamps it through. You almost don't even really need to do anything for pretty much the longest I've been doing this. Usually the balloons, it's like, hey, equity's been paid down value the business or value the real estate's probably went up. Of course, you're going to do this deal. I've never missed a payment on it. And what he explained to me is this. He said that if I have someone that comes to us for renewal, we're not rubber stamping this. We're actually doing a good bit of research. 
And his concern has to do mostly with the non-owner-occupied issues. Owner-occupied is a little bit different because you are the landlord, but you're also the tenant. You're mitigating your risk a little bit because you can make up the shortfall on the landlord side or you can make up the shortfall on the operating business side. But what he was telling to me is talking about someone that's, let's just say, an office space. So this person has an office building and they're taking a look at their rent rolls. And what they're looking at is they're saying, wait a second, there is one person that is renting the top two floors of this office building. They make up about 25% of your annual rent that you receive or about 25% of your annual sales. Now, we are redoing this note for five years. That person's lease renews next year. So we're not going to waste our time and have you go and ask this tenant if they're going to renew their lease. Because, of course, what are they going to say? They're not going to tell their landlord, hey, I'm out in 12 months. They're going to say, yeah, of course I'm going to be here. I'm going to sign a new lease next year. However, we don't trust that enough or we're nervous enough because if that tenant leaves you, if you, we come to next year and you go, hey, it's time for renewal, and they throw you the keys back, you can no longer afford the mortgage payment. And this is how cautious banks are getting. And they're actually walking away from this. This is a performing note. And he said he just had to do this with a guy that's been with him for 20 years. This note's not 20 years old, but this is a very long-term existing customer because he said, we're just so afraid that someone's going to default on this. Now, we have real estate. We have real estate as collateral, but this has already started to happen and the commercial real estate market is starting to get pulled down. Now, the banks are doing this for really two big reasons. The first one is risk versus reward. You would think that in today's market, with as high as interest rates are getting, why would a bank not be giving up money as fast as they possibly can at 9 10%? Because what is the reward on the other side of it, right? If everything goes right, yeah, we're making 9 or 10%, but you also have to factor in their borrowing costs are higher as well. They're not lending out their own money. They're lending out the bank's money, probably borrowed from the Federal Reserve. So even though the interest rates looks like it's higher, it's actually not higher of what they're recognizing on their books. Another thing is the banking liquidity issues that we've seen. So Signature Bank, Silicon Valley Bank, and all of those knuckleheads that burn through all of their money is a warning bell for a lot of banks. And we are seeing banks sitting on a record amount of cash because they're saying, hey, I would rather make less money on a monthly basis, be more conservative with our investments, and ensure that we are never going to have a liquidity issue versus trying to get too aggressive paying out all these loans, and then if something happens here, not being able to satisfy our deposit accounts. We're starting to see this on a commercial real estate side. If you remember a couple months ago, we started talking about how terrified lenders are for the used new car market. In the past, there was a 5 8% swing between the interest rates for good creditors and the interest rates for bad creditors. Now everyone is paying the higher rates just because the banks are saying, hey, we need more money here because we are so scared that people are going to default on this, that even the 5 6% we were charged in the past is not good enough. We can't charge enough on the bad creditors to make it worthwhile, so everyone's now paying this inflated rate. Like I've always said in the past, follow the money, you probably find the truth. If the banks are nervous, if the banks are scared, there's probably something going on. Banks don't care about feelings. Banks don't care about speculation. Banks care about money, and they start to get really weird when they think that their money is at risk. So let's go right into commercial real estate. And the kind of answer to the question or the question that we're trying to answer here is, all right, I'm looking at a piece of commercial real estate. 
should these increasing interest rates affect my decision? And the answer is, it depends. The investment aspect of this is probably the biggest thing of where we are seeing a lot of people getting away from commercial real estate. The investment side of it is the tricky part because you're doing this solely from an investment perspective, which means that this is probably not you buying a shop for you to own and operate. This would be you buying another piece of commercial real estate to rent out to someone that's going to operate a business there. The reason why this is very hard is because is the value of the building using their borrowing cost or your borrowing cost? So let's say that someone right now has a mortgage on their building and it's at five and a half percent. If they have a million dollar mortgage at five and a half percent, they're paying about fifty six hundred bucks a month in the form of a mortgage payment. So they knew that and they in turn turn around and they charge their tenant seven grand a month and they have a lease for that. Maybe they have a 10 year lease on this. And so then they go to you and they say, great, you can buy this property. It's already cash flowing this much money. Are you interested? That specific deal, I would not be interested whatsoever. No, this is an awful deal. It cash flows for you, but it does not cash flow for me. And here's why. So if we have a million dollar mortgage at five and a half percent, we are paying out 5,700. We are collecting seven grand. We're clearing 1,300 bucks every month. Pretty sweet deal. Now, if I was to go out and I was to buy that commercial property and I would have to get today's rates which I'm probably even going a little bit low here, but I'm factored this in at nine and a half percent. My mortgage payment goes from $5,700 a month to $8,500 a month. So that's seven grand that looked like it was making me a $1,300 profit before, now is actually at a like 14 or $1,500 loss. And this is exactly what is killing the investment aspect of commercial real estate is, okay, I know what cash flows for you, but you're probably using old borrowing costs because the rates have been going up so fast. Unless I'm able to come in here, renegotiate my rent with all of my tenants on here, there's no way that it makes sense for me just because the rates are so high. And so these interest rates from an investment standpoint have really cut down the amount of deals that we've seen going on. Just because it's very hard for these numbers to work. Commercial real estate was always a fickle beast. It doesn't cash flow a ton. There's not a ton of return on investment, even in good times. But we are not seeing rents go up as high as what we've been seeing interest rates go up. Also, and we'll talk about this in a little bit here, is what is the demand for commercial real estate? You look at these major metropolitan areas, and a lot of people are actually getting out of commercial real estate. Think about a tech company, maybe even has an entire office building, but with COVID and remote work and all kinds of stuff like that, they look at this and they say, man, we only need two floors, not 10. So now there's a lot less demand on this. Hey, who's going to come in and fill those eight floors in a time where people are going remote versus trying to invest in brick and mortar locations? Another thing on here is just has to do with the overall principle of this, as we'll talk about later, that as long as the return on investment still works, then who really cares? But the principle behind this of price versus cost, because if you look at price versus cost, this is saying, all right, how much are you asking for this versus how much is this going to cost me on a monthly basis? Now, if we ignore interest on this, if I buy something for a million dollars, I'm going to pay them back a million dollars. Who cares? I'm just giving you back whatever you're asking. However, if you have a doubling interest rate and the price remains the same, then yeah, your price officially is the same exact amount that it was before, but what you're probably asking for is another 20, 30, 40% on top 
Because now instead of paying 5,700 bucks a month, I'm paying $8,500 a month. And we've seen this on the commercial real estate side. We've seen this on the residential real estate side of things is that generally interest rates and price are inversely related. Meaning as interest rates go up, prices go down, right? Take for example, my dad told me back in the 80s, I think 83, 84 or something, he bought his first house and it was at 14% or something crazy for mortgage rates. Now, it's looking less and less crazy every single day that we go by, but that's still double kind of the current rates of where we're at right now. Now, keep in mind that house that he bought 20, 30, what, 40 years ago, which is crazy to think, cost him like $60,000. So yeah, 14% hurts, but $60,000 is pretty good. Now, compared to today, we might have 7%, but that house is half a million dollars. The weird part is, that just like we were talking about before, commercial real estate, there's stuff that's been listed on the market for $4 million. They were asking $4 million when the rates were at 4 or 5 6%. They're still asking $4 million, and now our rates have doubled. So that means my monthly costs may have doubled as well, but you're still asking the same amount of money, and it just doesn't make sense. From investment perspective, yeah, this is a major thing, and it's killing a lot of deals. There's still some out there, but it really has to have a pretty good cash flow to be able to overcome especially if they have not updated their price compared to the borrowing cost of this. A million dollars at 5.5% is 5,700 bucks a month. At 9.5%, you probably have to get that building for 800,000 to keep the monthly payment the same. And there has been people that have been recognizing that and lowering their asking price knowing, hey, in order for this to work from an investment perspective for someone else, I have to be more realistic on the price. When we get to expansion, and this is buying your building, this is taking out a loan to expand your commercial property, anything related to the commercial real estate side, then this is a little bit of a trickier game. Because yes, your costs are still going up, but does it really make that much of a difference? So that building that we were talking about before, 5.5% goes up to 8,500. Let's see if it actually makes any different if we're looking at it from an expansion opportunity. So I go out and I'm looking at this building and, you know, it's a million dollars. want to open up a shop there. We know that going from $5,700 to $8,500 is almost a $3,000 increase on a monthly basis. So what that actually works out to be is about $33,000 a year difference in what I'm going to be paying for rent. Is that enough for me to change my mind on buying this second location? Probably not. Because if you're looking at that, and you're saying, all right, this is an extra $33,000 a year, which is something it's more than what I would like to pay, but it breaks out to be about $2,750 a month. So if you look at $2,750 a month and you break it down to the weeks, essentially it's an extra 635 bucks a week in cost. So what that means is if you're factoring in gross profit here, as long as you sell more than $1,200 a week, Additionally, that's going to cover that. So yes, if you're doing it from an investment perspective, it's impossible. It doesn't work, especially if you have a lease in place. Hey, my borrowing costs have gone up, Mr. Tenant. You can pay me more money. And they say, no, we signed a lease on it. We're not going to pay you more. However, if you are the owner and occupied of it, you don't really probably have a lease. And even if you do, you're willing to renegotiate because you'll say, hey, this stinks. But if I just raise my labor rate three bucks an hour, I'll be able to cover this shortfall. If I do more production, whatever might happen, it's not the end of the world. 
all in all on this, from an investment perspective, there is a certain level of market rent that will work. And if you're above that rent, then it is a major concern. And like I said, it's killing deals. We just saw, and I'll try and find the article, and if I can, I'll put in a link here. But if you look it up, there's already been several multi, multi, multi-million dollar high rises in major cities that are going into short sale. I was reading one the other day that it was an $85 million high rise that was in despair because of, I'm not sure if the bank called a note or if they were trying to sell it and they just couldn't get out, but it ended up selling for about $42 million. So they got 50 cents on the dollar there. Now, they don't really say the specifics behind it, but what I guess happened here is, hey, before with this thing fully rented out, there was a ton of demand and the 85 million was probably a good price because it cash flowed. But now with the rising interest rates on it, borrowing costs are going to be higher. Maybe we're not at a full rent roll. We're starting to see this stuff topple down and topple down fast. Imagine if you're a landlord and you lose a tenant that makes up 25% of your building. You have two choices. You can scramble to try and find someone to replace it, or you sell this building as fast as you possibly can for whatever amount that you can get to hopefully satisfy the mortgage because you are bleeding yourself dry because every single month you're paying out more than you're collecting. It's a nightmare situation. It's already unfolding and we will start to see it more. However, like I said, with expansion on it, I don't think it changes your overall idea. Now, it should change your numbers. It should change your projections. But for most people, it still makes sense. Hey, this is going to be more expensive than it was in the past. But the shortfall is something that is not insurmountable or it's not something that I will never be able to overcome. So let's talk about the second aspect of that. The commercial real estate side and some of these deals that I see are just commercial real estate. It's not occupied, the business shut down, or maybe it was never even a shop before and you're just buying this real estate and starting fresh. However, for most people, they are buying an existing shop. And a lot of the principles are exactly the same. But I'm not going to go into the investment aspect. I'm not going to go into the expansion aspect of this because we already understand why you're doing this. And also, most people are not doing this for a strictly investment perspective per se. They're probably owner-operators in some capacity on this. And really, the biggest thing that we've seen is the cost. The price versus cost of capital is the same exact situation for shops as well. People asking a lot of money, not updating their cost, even though my client's borrowing costs are double, triple of what they were before. But again, should this idea affect your decision? So this all breaks down to return on investment. And in commercial real estate is really no different. You're looking for a return on investment, but usually returns on investment for commercial real estate are in the single digits. Compare that to a shop is a bit of a drastic change. So remember, shops are bought and sold by about three times multiple, meaning you're going to get paid three times of what you make on an average basis. Now, if you look at it from the other perspective, that means that the buyer is expecting a 33% return on investment. 33% return on investment means that there is a good bit of profit or good bit of return there, even factoring in debt. And here's what I want to illustrate to you. So let's take a look at this deal and say that we are looking for a 33% return on investment. That's what the shops should deliver. Now, your results may vary, and everyone that's been self-employed knows that it's a target, not a guarantee. So if we're saying, all right, we're going to get a 33% return on investment, and here we are sitting in 2020, borrowing costs are around 3%. So until the loan is paid off, I'm not going to get 33% return on investment. I'm going to get about 30 
because I need to take three percentage points off that I'm going to be paying the bank for financing this deal. Hey, 30%, I'm still happy with that. Here's why this still works for shops. Because the return on investment is so high, even at 10%, we would still be expecting about a 23% return on investment. Still light years ahead of any other options. Is 23% lower than 30%? Yeah, of course. I'm not saying that it's the same. It's just as attractive as it was before. But what we were seeing before was unrealistic low rates. What we have here now are higher rates in the short term, but probably much closer to what we expect them to be at in the future than the super artificially low rates that we had. And really, the whole idea of what we're paying out right now is a hangover from having the rates too low. And so to even compare it to 3% is probably complete misstep here. 3% is something that we should never see again, and we hope that they don't. Because having stuff that low, while it's very nice for borrowing cost, really screws up a bunch of stuff and makes some very unrealistic pricing that is very hard to unwind. And so if I'm looking at that shop and I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to be paying more money, but I'm still making money on this venture, then all right, do I really care that much? Now, let's put this into kind of dollars and cents terms. And so I was going back and comparing some deals that I saw. And so most businesses are done on seven-year loans, paid back over seven years. Some are five, some are 10. But for this exercise, we're going to do seven years. So if I buy a business, not real estate, for a million dollars at 3.25%, I'm going to be paying around $13,000 a month. So $13,326. Now, that was the rates in quarter one of 2020. Flash forward to today, we had around 8%. So instead of paying them thirteen three a month, I'm going to be paying them 15700 So just like I was talking about before, the monthly expense, while stings, is not insurmountable. We are talking about a $2,400 difference between our monthly loan cost at 3.25% versus 8.25%. Again, I would rather have that $2,300 in my pocket. I agree. But there should be a lot more profit in this deal where even though it's costing us more, we are still making a profit just slightly less. Now, the big thing here of where price versus cost hasn't been taken into consideration is how much is this actually going to cost you over that seven years extra? So it's costing us an extra $2,300, $2,400 a month. If we multiply it times 12, that's going to cost us about an extra $30,000 a year. If we multiply times seven, because this is a seven-year note, we are going to end up paying around an extra $200,000 in interest over the life of this loan. At 3%, we're going to pay about $119,000 in interest over seven years. At 8.25, we're going to pay them about $319,000 over that same seven-year period. And this is where price versus cost comes into consideration. Because essentially, we're paying $200,000 more even though the price is exactly the same. So if you actually had apples to apples on this one, they would actually have to ask 800,000 for this business. And even with the higher borrowing cost on this, we're gonna end up paying back the same 1,119,000 because interest rates are higher. So we gotta lower the purchase price down. Now are we seeing that? No, and not for the large majority because I don't think a lot of people realize the borrowing costs of their buyers or care about it. It's still a pretty decent market. So if you're thinking about selling, 
you can always come down on price. You can't go up. And like I said, there's a lot of people still hungry to buy shops and they're willing to pay these prices. Now, a lot of my clients have been backing off here because they say, hey, it looks okay, but on principle, I just can't pay for this. With the borrowing costs as high as they are, it's just not as attractive as it was before. There's not enough win in this for me. There's too much downside, and I'm just a little bit concerned. All in all, there's enough money in commercial real estate for shops that are owner-occupied. Even though the landscape has changed and some of the profitability is gone, the numbers still work for most deals. And even on the shop side, since the ROI is high enough, the larger in borrowing costs have eliminated some of the profit in the deals, but still makes sense for most people because you control your own destiny. However, this is all risk versus reward. And everyone that has started a business has taken a big risk, so this is probably nothing new. But my bigger concern relates to the big picture and the overall state of the economy and specifically your cash in this deal. Hunt, should I still pay this with the higher borrowing costs? I say it's not really the borrowing costs that I'm concerned about. What I'm concerned about is most clients go all in with their expansion. Whether you're buying your building, whether you're expanding your building or buying another location, most people use all of their available cash and they put it all down on this money. So for the next three to six months, you're in a very vulnerable spot because you've maybe used up all of your safety blanket or all of your reserves to get this deal done. So if things go great, and maybe you've done this a couple of times before, then no big deal. But those three to six months of putting all your cash in before you've got any of that return back are in your most vulnerable position in case something bad does happen. And what does happen if you sign the papers and now we have a market correction? It's not going to be forever, but even for a three-month slow period, with two shops losing money or not making as much as you would have expected, you could be in a very tricky spot and not only risk losing your expansion, but your core business and maybe your livelihood in general. And so while I don't think this is a death sentence to buy at higher interest rates, there is definitely more research and due diligence that needs to happen before taking a leap of faith. Do not jeopardize the golden goose. Do not jeopardize your bread and butter and jeopardize your cash and leave yourself open to issues that could arise, especially given kind of the tumultuous market that we have right now and what a lot of people expect for the rest of the year. Please share this with friends. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, please shoot me an email at podcast at parmelis.com. Like I said, we've been doing a couple of ones the last couple of weeks of people asking stuff. Hey, could you talk about this? Could you clarify that? I love to hear that stuff because, again, always shocks me that people listen to this and I'm always looking for ideas. I don't need to hear myself talk. If you guys want to hear it, I promise you I'll record it. Hey, people always talk about this, never understood it. I'm your man. Make sure you reach out to me, shoot me an email and let me know. So thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on the aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listening apps. So thanks again for joining me on Business by the Numbers. Stay safe out there, and I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.